Welcome, everyone, to the latest and greatest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to our wee little podcast. I just let him do it each and every yeah. time, but I'm here with John Ramsey, <laughs> and John is carrying his weight slightly this week, and actually is <laughs> going to introduce... about my weight? Now, now you're, like, getting on the fact that I put on a few pounds. And yeah, we, we all have. It's lockdown. called the Corona 15. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working hard at it. <laughs> yeah. And I would like John Very to introduce nice. uh, the guest we're excited about talking to today, and Think, think you can do a good job. Before we got on, he, in, he informed Meredith that he didn't read her bio today. So this should be great. Go, John. <laughs> well, I know, I, know, I know something about her bio anyway, because Meredith is a dear friend and also somebody I've had the privilege to work with uh, at the SEC in two different stints. So another like fun fact is that Meredith and I share a birthday. We do. I mean, not necessarily the same year. We, we won't go into sort of who's older because I don't. Uh, there's no point in that. What date is your birthday? It's October 14th. Wow, my brother is October 13th. Oh, is that right? Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, our birthday is also shared by uh, Dwight Eisenhower. I mean, for whatever that, for whatever that's worth. But I think we, you know, I think there are a lot of comparisons there. So anyway, <laughs> Meredith, we both worked together at the commission. You were there in the early 90s, and I was there at the same time. And then we both went back you were there in 2009 and then left in 2013. You were director of Division of Corporation Finance. And you were there, right? Yes. Oh, so by the way, so Meredith now is a big hoo-ha partner at Wilmer Cutler or Wilmer Hale, sorry, now advising big corporate clients. Of course, as I said, she was division uh, director of Division of Corporation Finance. I was at Trading and Markets when I was there. Back in the old days, we used to hang out in 455th Street in the old uh, outside of that building, if, if, I can, if I can say it, smoking together. So we'd like go for smoke <laughs> breaks and um, amuse ourselves and just talk about, you know, whatever. I don't know what we talked about. I think I we talked about, about anything but work. Anything but work. I probably talked about <laughs> men problems, um, but, we, you, but we had fun and you were always a good refuge and somebody with a, a great common sense. Meredith, have you ever done any other podcasts? Um, yes. And did the person interviewing you do such a shit dub of the introduction? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, That's nice. Smoke. That's really nice. That's so I had to break really the nice. ice. Meredith Cross, former SEC, worked there twice with John Ramsey, birthday on October 14th. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Delighted right, to this, have you here. This, Thank this, you, Ronan. This is what John and I yeah. do all day. Yeah, this is I think what, I think the the reason this is so fun is because John and I are such good friends. But yes. um Thank and you. we have Thank we're you. and and I couldn't have been happier when you came back to the SEC when I was back there. That's I so know. sweet of you. Thank you. It's been my strategy on the podcast to only invite people who are friends of mine, thinking that that will keep Ronan from, you know, giving me crap. But uh, it hasn't worked out that way thus far. You guys can gang up on me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll prepare for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There'll be signals. And um, actually, another thing I was thinking about, just like by reference to the kind of the current situations we're all in, uh, and Nick and you, my husband and I, I think the last person that we went out to dinner actually going out to dinner in new york was with you yes as you remember yes and you know that was i i showed my great ability to navigate new york by going (laughs) to the wrong restaurant (laughs) (laughs) exactly you wound up i sent you a message and i went back and looked at the email just to make sure i didn't screw it up i said market table on carmine strike in the west village and i think you wound up in midtown I went to Carmine's in Midtown and asked, oh, asked yeah. for a market table. 
Yeah. <laughs> Slightly different. Yeah, you kept sending yeah, me text messages saying, I'm here, I'm right outside, I'm here. <laughs> so anyway, we resolved that. But, but you know, that was like a couple months ago, and it feels like it was years ago, doesn't it? It really does. It does. Yeah. It's so sad. I miss you. Well, thank you. I miss New York. So that's the personal introduction. Before we got on, you were talking about how you've never been busier in your life. Um, and I'm sure you're in huge demand by all of your clients, because I'm sure a lot of your clients are going through all kinds of crazy issues on how to disclose all kinds of stuff. What, what in general, has it been like for you the last couple months or so? It's, it's been very challenging. There, and, and the challenges range from the absolutely unbelievable quantity of work the stress levels involved with that work, and then the complexities of trying to do that in your house. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with the last point, which is that I, I find myself buying more and more equipment online and in, in, in stores to try to make this work. I think I've now bought five keyboards. I've bought multiple monitors. I have so many phones I can't count. Just trying to make the technology work. There's so, it, there's so much going on. Yeah. That is a big challenge. The commute's much shorter. Um, I, like, <laughs> I like the short commute. But the days are, you know, essentially from the moment you wake up until midnight, I'm working. And right. companies, it, it ranges from companies that are doing very well and trying to come up with the best way to describe what is happening and then to talk about what may be happening. Companies don't usually like to talk too much about what's going to happen in the future if they're not otherwise required to. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of statements put out by the SEC that caused some companies concerned that they had to say more than they planned to say. And especially if you're a company that's doing well, you don't want to withdraw your guidance. You don't want to stop stock or purchases. You know, generally speaking, things are fine. They're surprisingly difficult to counsel because you want to make sure that, that the right level of uh, empathy comes across and that they are working to make sure their workers are safe and all those kinds of things. But right. So there's that range all the way down to a number of companies in the hospitality industry who are really struggling. Sure. And helping them get through their disclosures is really, really challenging. And I would imagine um, if you're on either end, if you're either doing really well or you're doing really not well, you don't want to be any more conspicuous than you need to be. So you don't want to say, certainly say more than you think you have to say. So then they call it's you. It's interesting. There's, there's a level of desired transparency here that I've not seen before. I mm. think the companies realize that markets are starved for information and are very interested in knowing how the pandemic is affecting the different companies. And it's not always apparent on the surface how it would affect a company. Yeah. There are providing a lot more information than I would have expected in the, in all the draft 10 cues I've been reviewing. And then we had the period at the end of March when everybody went to the capital markets, essentially uh -huh. the entire world raised debt in connection with that. Everybody needed to do an update about how the pandemic was impacting them. And so that was also just an incredibly intense time that rolled straight into let's start preparing for quarterly reporting. Right, right. And I imagine it would be very challenging even, I mean, you have like huge experience and many years of experience in this, but 
figuring out how to disclose how it's impacting you now, but also how you think it will impact you three months, six months from now must be a very difficult thing to try to grapple with. Oh, it is. I mean, nobody knows what to assume. Mm-hmm. And, and so usually when you're giving guidance about how things are going to be, you talk about your assumptions. You don't want your assumptions to sound tone deaf. So there's a lot of, a lot of uncertainty and you combine that with just the personal challenges for the clients. They're all working from home. They're worried about sure. their employees and they don't want to have to do layoffs and or furloughs. So it's, it is a unique, I've been doing this for 35 years with about, I guess, 12 of those in the government, the rest in, in private practice. And I've never seen anything so, so difficult. That, that's really interesting. And yeah, I mean, as I know, you've had a lot of pretty high stress jobs, but this, <laughs> but this period is particularly stressful because, uh, I mean, you testified in front of Congress nine times, I think you said. Yeah. That. Yeah. My husband used to joke that it was like 50 cent. He was shot nine times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I testified, I testified nine times and nice. many of the, many of the hearings were like, why is the SEC so horrible? Uh-huh. That was, that was, it was in after the right. midterms and right. we we're in front of ISIS committee and he, and he just, he just wanted to holler at us. Yeah. And, well, so, and what yeah. better person to trot out than you and you could <laughs> go out and they could, you could explain why the SEC was so terrible. So I was just going to ask you a question on, you know, because uh, obviously we're working remote as well and we, we're, we're pretty zonked by the end of every day. It's, it's kind of, it's weird. Yeah. Like you said, the commute is really short, but how is your interaction with your coworkers? I'm just curious there because um, I'll say from an IEX standpoint, uh, we've really embraced Zoom. Uh, it, I can't imagine, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I can't imagine not have seen John's face for six weeks. So seeing, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually mean that. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah. uh, uh, it, it's actually good to interact. So, the, the, you know, some of those internal interactions are what keeps me sane doing the entire day job during the day. And, and, like and that say, hasn't worked that well, actually. That, that, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that, that's a really good question. My, my circumstances are somewhat unusual because we moved up to New York and Connecticut in November from after 30 years in D.C., and so my main people I work with are still in the DC office. And so I've been doing this pretty much since, since November. I work in the New York office a few days a week, a um, couple days a week, and then obviously not for a very long time since then. Uh, so I was already used to working with my colleagues um, on the phone. Um, and my clients, most of them are not where I am ever because I'm, I have a national practice and they're not in, there's not that much like business in DC. Yeah. I've always, it's been a phone practice. So I'd say that that part is not that different. What I miss is the just sitting around goofing off time with your friends Yeah, um, yeah. where you catch up on the day and you know, John knows Lily Brown, my closest colleague at the firm. And she was my counsel at the SEC she and I now still talk every day and make sure we catch up on how we're feeling and how things are. And I'm doing the same thing with all of the clients. I'm touching base, just like not asking, not responding to questions, just seeing, are you okay? Right? Yeah. People, and the people yeah. really do want to talk about how they're doing and how their families are. It's a, it's a healthy thing. We're, we're sort of like friendly beasts, right? <laughs> right you do, right. do want to interact yeah. with others and 
my family are uh, repeatedly telling me how they've never spent so much time with me, and I'm not sure if they mean it in a good or a bad way. <laughs> when I go to my office, I can hear audible cues. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, well, we were talking about this earlier, Ren and I were at, uh, doing a virtual event um, earlier today, and I was, uh, and I miss the daily, as you say, the daily personal interaction with people, particularly at IEX, you know, where pretty much most of us are all out on one trading floor, which I thought I was going to hate when I first started, because I thought I would never, you know, I would really resent the loss of privacy. But I really enjoyed that kind of like, constant collaboration and the ability to hear stuff that you wouldn't otherwise hear and be able to mm -hmm. talk to people whenever you wanted to. And it's, I think it's just a natural part of being human that you want to have that kind of connection. So I agree. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when things do start to open up and whether people actually go back to offices or what yeah. they do. Um, yeah. That's a big to topic of speculation. I, I, I counsel a number of boards and audit committees and I've been on lots of calls lately where we, talk about reopening plans and, you know, the need to have space. So re basically reducing density by probably 50%. Mm -hmm. That's expensive. Um, yeah. And having somebody who's going to push elevator buttons or what they're going to do. Um, yeah. It's amazing the things you got to think through, right? Like, put, like you just said, pushing elevator buttons. And people are saying, you know, working from home, has worked well, right? So like, I have to tell you, I, I was one of those guys that I'm definitely like, you should be in the office. I think if you're working from home, you're half working from home. And what I would say is over this time period, I guess I've been proven maybe wrong. Um, but also I'm curious when we go back to normal, if we start to have people working from home or too many people working from home, do we lose efficiency? Because right now we're all working from home because everyone is. Right now we can't really go anywhere. There's not, it's not like I'm gonna go watch a movie in the middle of the day at the movie theaters. So maybe we're more efficient because of the situation that we're placed in. But I agree. I think people, including us, and we're only like 115 people, we're having lots of conversations around what's the new normal look like? Do, do we let people work from home? Uh, how do we approach that? Does everybody work from home? How often do they work from home? Do we have remote teams? Who, who knows? But it's going to be really interesting. I, I agree. I think it's going to take a long time for people to settle into a routine. I think at the beginning, there'll be a lot of people who are afraid to come back to work. Yep. Um, and I think people are going to have to be patient while that goes on. And, um, you know, your employees who, who want to be successful will want to be successful wherever they are. Um, and, you know, I find I'm probably most efficient when I'm home because I, I don't take breaks. I don't have to go get lunch. I forget to eat lunch, but I... I basically right. sit in my office and talk on the telephone for 12 hours and review yeah. documents in between phone calls um, and power through. There's so many emails. I have to say, that's the one thing about this period. I'm, the emails yes. have multiplied like rabbits. I'm drowning. I have, yeah. I'm drowning crazy. in emails. It really you is know, crazy. I I don't uh, eat lunch either, but that's because I go to the refrigerator every 20 minutes. Um, so by the time <laughs> we finally get out of this, they're going to have to, you know, I won't be able to go back to the office because they won't be able to fit through the front door. But, John, are um, you being efficient during this period? I'm, I'm being you. extremely efficient. Uh, as this I is a public you know. uh, broadcast at one-on-one, -on -one, John and Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being, yes, as, as, as efficient as I can be under the circumstances. Yeah, no, I really do hope that we are able to 
go, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that I work for a company that is being very cautious and conservative in terms of figuring out when and how to send people back and to make sure that people are safe. But once we're able to do that safely, I really do look forward to being able to get back and see people face to face. Well, I definitely want to be in the office in New York where we have wonderful people. Yeah. And I was just getting to know better. And so, and I also have this fabulous apartment in New York that I'm supposed to stay in a couple of days a week that I haven't stayed in in months. So that part of my life is kind of not, I, I'd like to get that part going again. Yeah. Well, I know. And your office is like 200 yards from ours. So, you know, I know. we could I know actually, we yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It is, it is something. In terms of, of dealing with regulators or dealing with regulatory stuff, they've obviously been busy too, um, trying to figure out what people need, listening to people tell them what they need. Any observations generally about what your interaction has been with the SEC staff in particular and whether they've been responsive and you know, kind of how they're operating compared to what you're used to? So they already had a lot of work from home and have for for a very long time. So that they're good at this. There's a few things that I think are worth noting. The enforcement cases are progressing right along. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a bit relentless because you think, okay, these companies that are in distress and trying to get through things are getting document requests and, and we're having to produce and we're having to they're definitely, they, they said they're open for business and they truly are. And it's not, <laughs> not to do with COVID. I mean, they're just doing their thing. Yeah. Um, so that has been, you know, none of the day job went away with this for any of us practitioners because I do enforcement cases and I do counseling. I See, I didn't realize that you did a lot of that kind of work as well. So you're just, oh God. Yeah, I do. I do crisis cases, investigations, internal investigations, and um, I do everything. But yeah, so oh my I, God, I you have must a, be exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted because it's like the regular work is continuing. I have multiple investigations going on. And um, and then all the reporting, I think people expected um, or hoped that there would be some sort of reprieves on the reporting obligations. Oh, look. <laughs> my cat, Fred, Fred, the, Fred, the big orange cat. Was like he just, came, he in just came into frame. the frame. Yeah. 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 Well, Rocket, my cat keeps coming in on board calls. Um, mm -hmm. And he has, mm -hmm. he has, he's very impressive and, and mm -hmm. clients pretend not to notice. So I think we were hoping that there would be kind of like, you, you don't worry about your tin queue, you yeah. know, take care of your business or whatever, but no, right. <laughs> instead <laughs> there are some limited reprieves if you are having problems because of COVID and you have to send, put in a tin Q, I mean, a AK and explain it and right on and on. And frankly, I don't know anyone who's planning to do that. I think every, everyone I've been working with is planning just to go ahead and, and keep filing. The yeah. other thing that's been very complicated, and the staff can't do much on this because it's more of a state law matter. Are you looking at your cat? No, no. <laughs> I'm looking at the questions that I'm okay. supposed to ask you, but then okay. I, yeah, yeah. But. No, that's Here, fine. Would you so, be surprised anyway. to learn this is the only thing that John does for IEX is the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so not true. That's why it's he's so, such a lie. That's, that's why he's so professional. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. I, uh -huh. um, so the the other thing I was going to mention is the annual meeting stuff. So that is a complete, you know, uh, yeah. Catastrophe. You know, we know the turn. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh -huh. a catastrophe. I'll do fine. 
So everybody hoped that they could have their annual meeting and that no one would come. And so they could just have an in-person meeting. And then even the idea of having, say, five people get together um, to have the annual meeting became apparently impossible. And so all the companies that were planning on not not having a virtual meeting now have to go scramble around and and find a way to have a virtual meeting. Or that's mostly what's happening. There are some who will have an in-person meeting, but it's challenging. Yeah. Usually no, nobody goes to meetings. And so one would not worry about it. But the SEC staff was good in putting out some guidance about how to put out the notice about you've switched to virtual and things like that. But it is annual meetings coming in the middle of the 10 Qs and all the capital raising and a pandemic. <laughs> God, I can't imagine. Besides all that, it's great. It's just great. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I noticed that the SEC has also been putting notices out and reminders uh, about, you know, insider trading related concerns, mm-hmm. right? Because there's got to be a huge amount of inside information, you know, COVID related and, and otherwise that particularly if people are, if there are people that are not sort of following regular kind of disclosure schedules and that it raises all of those concerns. It, it definitely does, and there's a lot of there's a lot of reminders going out to clients to make sure you've got good controls around around insider trading and regulation FD the the selective anti selective disclosure rule. Right. So you you know you don't talk to an analyst and tell them something that you're not telling most people. I would say that companies are not wanting to talk other than publicly, from what I've seen so far. And I've not seen a desire at companies for people to be selling, certainly ahead of doing anything other than putting right. out earnings and as much information as they can. So I think the, it, you know, the SEC warns about that from time to time. And I think that signals they will be on the lookout for problems. Right. And that's a good thing. I mean, you right. do want them on the lookout. You don't want somebody to take advantage of the circumstance. But I, I don't, I, it's very hard for, people to know whether you've put out all the material information at this point when you do do your quarterly report because there's so much unknown right so that's going to be the harder question is what do companies decide to do um in terms of talking to people and and guiding and all the rest of it when they do do their quarterly reports which we're starting to see now yeah, I can I can imagine the the I mean you're supposed to disclose uncertainty, so we all know the kind of like the big uncertainty and then all of the little uncertainties that flow off of that. Well, thank God they've got you. I mean, um, <laughs> well, you're very kind. It's been it's been fascinating. And not Ronan or me. Oh, you would be great. Um, it has been fascinating because it it is absolutely the hardest thing I've done in my career um, because each question is a new question. Each, each company is completely different from the last company. And it's all day long. So I'll talk to 10 companies in a day, helping them sort through what to do. You know, the comparison, uh, I know you were going to ask me this, so I'll ask it about when I got to the SEC in 2009 after the financial crisis, which was similarly drinking from a fire hose. But yeah. there, one, you ha- I had a lot of help, you know, and you could develop a plan. You, I, you know, I could talk to the chairman. I could talk to my fellow division directors. I could do things like that to develop a plan. In this scenario, so much of what I'm doing is just I'm coming up with answers as best as I can to people in in stress all day long. 
and that is that's different from right. um, having some sort of crazy daily calendar that people are helping you get through. So it's sort yeah. of a different. It's a it, this is very isolating, and it yeah. does. And people want to talk to senior folks. People really want to get. You know, clients that I don't usually counsel on disclosure are they call because they want to get somebody senior to give the advice. And that puts a lot more right. stress on the senior people. Right. And the stresses, I would imagine, are so much more personal, too. Right. I mean, when you talk to a corporate officer, they're not just worried about kind of like the business problems that they're dealing with, but they're dealing with stress on a personal level as well. And so. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. Think. There were early on questions about what people had to disclose if somebody got sick. Uh huh. And it was interesting because at the beginning, when we didn't know much, yeah, there was some inclination to think, "Oh my goodness, if you tested positive, it's the end of the world as we know it. You better say something." Mm -hmm. And people resisted that. I think that wouldn't have been good advice. I mean, any more than you have to disclose if somebody sure has a has pneumonia. You don't right. Yeah, but there's there's always this very difficult tension between the the privacy concerns of the people involved and the interests of investors. And that was a big topic at the beginning. That topic dropped away. There have been, you know, there's not been right. a lot of disclosure around who has been sick. And most people recover, thank goodness. Well, Ronan, I've blocked you out of most of this podcast. Are there uh, other observations that you'd like to share or? witticisms or well because meredith took your last question that you have you're 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 dancing on ice right now I, <laughs> no, I, no i've got more i've got more material i just i i i have a question for you meredith and uh, not to put you on the spot do you, do you have any uh funny stories to tell about john ramsey <laughs> oh my goodness uh it's got to be some good ones goodness john 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 is a gift every day with what he brings here john is i mean i can tell you that when john it's not it's not a one event story but when john came back to the sec he started coming to senior staff meetings and i was already there and we were all kind of trying to hum a few bars as we were getting yelled at for missing madoff even though neither of us was there to miss mm -hmm. madoff and you yeah. know we we were we were humming along doing our jobs when john came back the level of humor and happiness at the staff meetings went up many notches he he isn't that sweet he, yeah. he and mary had a very mary shapiro had a really good relationship and she as did did i with mary and Robert Cook was hilarious. I mean, there was a whole host of hilarious. Yeah. And, and Elise, who was just on our podcast, yeah. is like, yeah. you know, a dream to work with, as you know. Yeah. And she was so supportive. But it, so I would say it's not a funny story, but he made it funny because everything, you know, Mary mm -hmm. would tease him relentlessly on any, any given topic, which is always fun to do. By the way, I really want to get Mary on the podcast. So if you're listening out there. <laughs> Mary, I, I don't know. After this experience, she might say no friggin' way. But um, hey, Mary, this is Ronan. I'll do some prep work in advance of the <laughs> podcast if you come on. <laughs> Speaking of Elise, the one other thing, substantive thing, I will ask about is uh, we talked to Elise about about SASB uh, sustainability uh, standards, which is an issue that she's been you know spent a long uh, long time dealing with, as you know. Any thoughts you care to share about how companies are uh, dealing with those kinds of issues? Uh, they probably aren't like focused on it front and center, maybe now, or maybe they are. But are companies making progress in terms of how they think about long-term kind of sustainability? 
questions and how they provide disclosures around that? The short answer is yes, they are. It's a, It's been an interesting evolution. When I was back at the SEC, I worked on the climate change disclosure release. And, you know, we got lambasted for even suggesting mm-hmm. that that kind of disclosure could be required. I had to testify about that in one hearing. And that's <laughs> moved a long way with basically investor-driven. Investors want the information. Uh-huh. And it's not simply fringe investors. It's people who have a lot of money think the information is important. And so you're seeing a movement towards responding to the desire of investors to get that information. I I don't see it. It's making its way more into proxy statements than it used to. Um, Not seeing it so much in in periodic reports. Definitely seeing sustainability reports on websites. And then there's also a, a lot of interest in human capital issues. And so that plays into the proxy statements. It also plays into SEC reporting in some respects. There's a proposal out about that. But the like SASB's um, efforts, which are important to come up with some sort of, of standards so that it's not all over the lot, non-comparable information, I think is very important. When I, when I did the climate change release in, in 1990, we met with every climate group there was and in advance of that. And there were so many different ways to calculate carbon footprint. It made my head spin. And so we didn't put anything in there about talk about your carbon footprint because there was no basis to compare the different calculations. So, And that was in 1990? No, I'm sorry. That was in 2009. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say that would have been fairly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. No, the, the release went out in 2000, in December, or it went out in the fall of 2010, right after the midterms, which of right. course made it especially exciting because the House had flipped to Republican and they didn't like it. Right. In like 1990s, the right. John. Right. We were, yeah. burn, we were burning car tires for fun in 1990. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's what you were doing. <laughs> I was gainfully employed in, in 90, running. I don't know, you were probably still in Ireland. I was, getting, I, was I moved to America in August 1990. Oh, oh, that's really? exciting! Yeah. yeah, and then I then I started caring about the environment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. moved to Washington D.C. in 1990 from Atlanta. See? Right from so Atlanta, was, I remember that, right? Yeah. But you're not yeah. from Atlanta. You're from California, aren't you? I'm from L.A. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, funny story about D.C. in 1990. Uh, we moved here in August, and on Thanksgiving. Uh, I was told there's this thing Thanksgiving in your school off. So my family and I, my mom and dad were here, my brother. We went to D.C. for Thanksgiving and we didn't realize that absolutely everything closes. And we had to oh, have yeah. our Thanksgiving dinner in Union Station. I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I can't great. imagine. We, 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 we were the only morons trying to sightsee on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, my like, goodness. This town is boring. It's so quiet. Uh, yeah. That's hilarious. That's pretty awful. And well, Meredith and I both know, having had a lot of meals in Union Station, because there's like not many choices if you. Especially uh, back then, though, it's much it's yeah. much better now, and that's yeah. not saying a lot. Yeah. No, no, you get to join up with the tourists and the and the yeah. buses. Yeah, it's always Meredith. What what is it? Uh, the question we ask a lot of guests, um, putting you on the spot again, is what is your favorite Wall Street movie? My favorite Wall Street movie. Um, I think it's a Wall Street movie. You have to tell me if I'm wrong. Bonfire of the Vanities? 
wasn't that yeah. person? He, he was he was a traitor. The he guy. was yeah. a traitor. Yeah. 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 Oh, good That's answer. A good That's Look a at really you. good one. Yeah. That's everyone gives the straightforward. Oh, the original Wall Street is the most popular one. No. And then this is when John chimes in and goes, "No, boiler room." Yeah, boiler room. He I wants to wear the windbreaker with uh, SEC on it and go in and tell people that what? Put your hands up against the wall. Yeah, yeah but I'm crazy here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I have said that. No, I particular. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised. I have I have good SEC. Um, I have hats and and sweatshirts and stuff. Before they closed the swag store at the SEC, I bought everything yeah. they had. So I, I can walk around looking very governmental. <laughs> That's great. You weren't, uh, you're not armed though. You were never actually armed. I always wanted to be able to be armed, but they never. Uh, that was <laughs> no, never you didn't. No, no, we didn't. No. We had a former inspector. We had a former inspector general that carried a gun around though, didn't he? Or that was. He was uh, terrifying. Yeah. I, <laughs> he investigated stuff. <laughs> I won't get into it, but yeah, I, I spent a lot of quality time with the inspector general. <laughs> Yeah. 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 They had, they had a, um, they did a, an investigation on the revolving door and that's the, you know, work in private practice, go to the government, go back to private practice. And there was a, a business week piece that talked about how the revolving door sometimes things twice. And it was about me. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, lovely. <laughs> lovely. Yeah. You don't want to be a profile piece. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be that person. So anyway, yeah. after that, I got to talk to him about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. Well, Ronan, I think this is the time in the podcast, maybe where you uh, make an offer of uh, gifts that we provide <laughs> to our, uh, our guests. We don't have a virtual. We don't have virtual socks to give you, but I'm actually pulling off my sock right now. Oh to my show God! You that I'm wearing okay, yeah, our uh. boxes and lines socks, <laughs> and we have a colorful one. And for you going through this pain, Meredith, you're not going to get this particular sock. Right. I'm going to give you a fresh, new, never worn sock. Mm -hmm. Can I get two? Yeah. You can get two. You can get two because you're especially nice. <laughs> you <laughs> had to ask though. <laughs> yeah. it, that we, sounds great we also have our we have our own white labeled beer as well yes uh, oh so my can have it could, now yeah, uh, yeah I, <laughs> I, I wish i had some here now too no that's we, great we, 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 we'll, we'll send you some beer and some ix swag. we we appreciate you getting on especially uh with all the work you have going on at the moment yeah mm, it's, it's, it's nice uh, break yeah i and i hope i hope it gets easier for you soon but uh yeah, probably unlikely in the near term, right? Till till there's some sense coming around. I think I think it's going to be busy for at least at least I don't know. I keep thinking it'll dry up, but it, it, then it gets more. So I'd say it's probably through May. Yeah, and yeah. then maybe things will settle down. Well, I look forward to seeing you again in person. Yeah, um, I'm going to come up there hopefully. to your beach. You know, so anytime you beach. want, anytime you want. Yeah, they, they social distance, guys. Here. Yeah, we will. No, we'll, we will. We'll, yeah, definitely. Um, well, this has gone so fast. We could do it for another hour, but it's wonderful Meredith, to see you. Go back to work. Go yeah. back I to will. Work. <laughs> Thank you so John, much. Go back to work. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. For really appreciate it. All right. Take care. and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only. And IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. 
Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc., all rights reserved.